If you're looking to become a data analyst, the amount of things that you're told that you're supposed to know is overwhelming. You're supposed to know Excel, you're supposed to know Python, you're supposed to know R, you're supposed to know Power BI, you're supposed to know Tableau, you're supposed to know SQL, all the different flavors of SQL, you know, linear programming this and linear algebra that and calculus, and it's so overwhelming and it's so stressful. And that's why we did this interview today with Luke Barus. We talked about what skills you actually need to know to land a data job. And if you guys have heard me talk at my webinar about the SPN method or even on the podcast, skills, portfolio, network, when it comes down to the skills, one of the best things you can do to succeed is to simplify the amount of skills that you need to learn. And so we talk about what are the top three skills you need to learn as a data analyst. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Before we get into this episode, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. I had a great time with Luke. He's one of the nicest people in the data community, and we had a great conversation. I also want to mention that this is part one of a two-part series, because next week on the podcast, I'm also going to be bringing Luke on the show. I mean, it was all one recording, but we basically split it into two topics. One, what skills you need to learn. And then two, we talked about how does data and AI mesh you know, is AI coming for data analyst jobs? Are we all going to be jobless here in a little bit? So that'll be on the podcast next week. So I think it's a really good episode and you guys should be really excited about that. So that'll be available next week. Same guest. Luke's awesome. He's one of the best people to talk to when it comes to data and AI. He's really been experimenting and doing a lot of research. So I think you'll really enjoy that episode next week. If you haven't already, leave this podcast a rating or a review. This podcast is absolutely free and hopefully you guys get value out of it every single Wednesday when we release a new episode and something really small that you can do to support me and support the show is leave a rating and review. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the episode. My guest today is legendary Luke Barus. You know him from his amazing data content on YouTube. He's a former Navy submarine officer turned data analyst. He's worked as a data analyst for one of the largest chemical companies in the world, BASF and one of the biggest creators in the world, AKA Mr. Beast on YouTube. So Luke, welcome to the show. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me on. I'm super stoked about it. When we reached out, I was like, dude, I'm super stoked about this. I haven't talked to you in forever. So this is gonna be a little good chit chat session we're gonna have. Yeah, for sure. Just for reference, you guys, if you guys haven't seen Luke's channel on YouTube, check it out. We'll have a link in the description down below. I think Luke and I met a little bit over a year ago. I had seen his videos on YouTube previously, but we met at like a data creator meetup in Austin, Texas, and then in my hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah, a couple mm -hmm. months later. And you guys, Luke is just as nice as he seems on YouTube. It was one of the coolest things. <laughs> He's a great I don't person. know about that, but shout out to Ken G because Ken G was the one that coordinated it all and put us in touch. And I saw your video with Ken G for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to meet Avery. So I was like super stoked to see you whenever you were there in Austin and get to meet you for the first time and been friends since. Yeah. And I'm super glad to have you on the podcast. First time on the podcast. Today, I really want to talk to you about something that you actually made. Obviously, your YouTube videos, there's lots of really cool things, but you've built something really awesome. And I don't think enough people are really talking about it. And that is, it's called datanerd.tech. And if you guys haven't checked this out, you know, pause the YouTube video, pause the podcast and go check out datanerd.tech. We'll have a link in the description down below as well. But can you explain what this datanerd.tech thing is? Yeah, definitely. So first, what it is, it's an aggregation of job postings to show what are the top skills for 
data nerds. So data scientists, data engineers, data analysts, business analysts. And so that's what it does. And it shows those top skills, but really it's trying to solve a problem. And so I noticed whenever I got into this content creation and trying to share insights about, you know, what top skills to learn, everybody had like these different skills that they were recommending, not saying they weren't wrong, but I mean, somebody would be like Excel SQL, Tableau, and then somebody else would be like Python, Power BI to camp. And it's like, you never, we never had any consistency around like, so what is the top skill based on like, you know, we work in data, like, aren't you going to provide some data around what is this top skill? So I was always aggravated by that. And there's no really data out there. If you stack overflow does a survey of this for software developers, where they share these different types of skills, but that's software developers, we need it for data nerds. So I decided, Hey, we're going to go out and do it on himself. So I teamed up with this, uh, this API service called SERP API. They gave me a bunch of free credits and basically built out this pipeline for uh, getting those different job insights on a daily basis for our, these types of data science roles around the world. And then I run it through a, a pipeline to extract out all those different skills and then display it in datanerd.tech to show what is the top skills you should be learning based on the job title and also on your location. Yeah. So you undersold that a hundred percent because what, <laughs> what you built is freaking amazing. It's basically like Luke said, it's basically the skill. It's telling you what skills you need to learn in order to get the job that you want. So I'm actually going to pull it up. So those of you guys who are watching either on YouTube or shout out to Spotify with the video podcast, we'll be able to Ooh. see this right here. But basically, if you guys go to datanerd.tech, it allows you to choose a job title, for instance, data analyst, and then it will go ahead and display what the top skills are for those data analyst positions. And what Luke's done is he's web scraped 261,000 data analyst jobs and seen you know, what keywords, what tools are mentioned in those job descriptions. So it's really like a data-driven way to actually see what you're supposed to be learning in order to land a job. It's, but it's based off of data, right? Right. And it's all like, I mean, probability, right? So obviously SQL, you probably need to learn that as a data analyst as the number one skill. And I'm sure everybody can say like, that's the top skill he's, he's probably used as well. So yeah, I've, it's just so crazy. And then you can also sort right there to see like, hey, I want to dive into languages, tools, or databases to see what's the most popular. Yeah. And I think this this aspect is probably the most valuable for those entering. I'm hoping to develop it more into the future. So it is real-time job collection, right? So it, like, it collected jobs just this morning. But I don't have a filter for for recently, right? So this has been collecting jobs for the past six months. So I'm hoping to build that out more. There's a lot of different design features I'd like to build into this, but I need help with it. So, Yes, that's awesome. That's really cool because you're like, yes, I could totally do more to it. The one thing I always try to tell my students is just get a minimal viable product out there. Like it doesn't yes. have to be perfect. Like yes. this is this is not a perfect tool, but it's very right. useful in the meantime, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good topic about MVP. And like, I probably should have put this out like a month or two before, but I just kept on like trying to, Added an additional little thing that I found out was actually pretty useless because this main page, which I built within like a few weeks, was the best. So exactly to your point, and focus on the MVP, just get it out there and then iterate from there. Yeah. Just to give some Luke some credit here. So far, this is web script 
million data jobs. So this is like a pretty robust data set that, he, that he's created of all sorts of different jobs. You know, you can go up here and look at senior data analyst roles versus regular data analyst roles. And one thing I really like, because I help a lot of people land data analyst roles is looking at the data analyst skills. So you will see, like Luke said, that that SQL is at a 48%, which basically means half of data analyst jobs are going to require SQL. The next most common one is Excel at 30, basically 34%, Python at 30%, Tableau at 25%, and Power BI at 19.9%. Uh, so those round out the top five. And then I guess R is probably the six. And then it kind of dropped off dramatically after that with SAS right. and PowerPoint and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's really like the top six that pretty much make up the, the data stack for a data analyst. And then just to sort of not really relate to that website, but I mean, it's very much like, like learn Tableau or Power BI, learn Python or R, and then you can shift as necessary to the other one because they're, I mean, once you have the skills in one, you can shift to the other. Yeah, like Power BI and Tableau are so similar that if you've learned one, you'll be able to figure out the other. And then yeah. I don't think Python and R as, are as similar, but they do basically the same thing. So if you have one, whatever you can do in Python, you, okay, hold on. Whatever you can do in R, you can do in Python. <laughs> yes. Whatever you can do in Python, you can't necessarily mm. do in R, but a lot of the data stuff you can do. So. But you understand, especially if you, I started in R and you once you understand the basics of coding and programming yeah. and you can stop doing these piping symbols, you can move over to Python and, you know, really unlock a lot of different other things. R is great for statistical analysis. Not gonna, not saying it's bad. I just like to, I like to move beyond statistics. So that's why I like Python. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I'm a Python guy as well. One thing I do want to point out though, that it's not like misleading necessarily with this graph, because obviously this graph is data-driven, but but Python's high. And when I, when I talk to people, I tell them, you have to learn SQL, you have to learn Excel. And then Python's not the third thing I tell them to learn. I tell them to either learn T Tableau or Power BI. Yep. The majority of the time, Tableau, just because it's more accessible, has a stronger community. But if you take the percentages, and this is a little fuzzy math, you can't really do this math. But basically, if you add these together, you'd end up with basically 45%. And that yeah. BI tool, that data visualization BI mm -hmm. tool would actually become the second most useful tool just after SQL, right? Right. No, I completely agree. I, I mean, I agree with that reasoning as well. Plus, I mean, Power BI, you could probably learn it within a week to learn the basics. Python, I mean, I've been at it for five, six years now, and I'm still learning stuff in Python. So yeah, it's going to take a lot, lot longer with that. So I like Avery's advice for that. Yeah. I love Python. It's my favorite data tool, but like when you're just getting started, it's like you're investing your time, right? You're investing your money in something that's going to pay out someday, but it's just like a decade down the road versus right. if you invested in Tableau, you could get, yes. you could probably double yeah. your investment in like a month basically. Huh? Yep. Uh, case in point, one of my first data analyst jobs, like I'm studying Python on the side and I didn't know Power BI at the time, but the, at our work, we needed this like Power BI solution built because we needed a dashboard. So over the weekend, learned Power BI, built a dashboard or whatever, but I'm like, and I kept on trying to get like use cases for Python within my job and it coming, but everybody kept on coming to me for like, how can we build this dashboard now? So at least in the data analytics space, I, I just find like the dashboarding solutions can be a lot more quicker to provide benefit and value and also get you recognition and thus help you with like accelerating your job growth. Yeah. I mean, the Python's way sexier, right? It's like yeah. much cooler, but most mm -hmm. businesses are at a place where like they don't even have like the basic graphs, right. charts, dashboards, reports that they need to mm -hmm. really be data-driven. So before they even explore, you know, more complicated Python automation, cool stuff. Like there's huge wins to be made with just like 
take this Excel table and make it visual because we as humans like to see things versus read things, right? Like that's huge. And doing that in, you know, one of these BI tools is, is so powerful. I wanted to ask you, was there anything like when you're putting this web app together, this dashboard together, was there anything that kind of shocked you? And you're like, wow, I never really expected that result. Or like, I never really thought that that was very popular. Or I thought this was super popular and it wasn't like, what, what was the most surprising thing when you were going through all of this data? I never realized how, I mean, we talked about it a little bit with SQL, but when we just focused a lot on data analyst, but that Python SQL combo is such a powerful combo. And if you look at data engineers and also data scientists, like that, it's the top two in, in those as well. And so I, I think a lot of people, as they progress in their career, careers, they may find out they're more interested in data science, becoming a data scientist or data engineer. So that's why I think it's good to like learn those, those two skills as well on that Python skill. So if you want to like, okay, I'm not really about building these dashboards. I want to build pipelines. Cause that, that's something also I discovered during this. I'm like, I mean, I like analyzing data, but I also like building pipelines and building data pipelines. And so that's more of a data engineering role. And so by knowing that Python and SQL combo, you can do those type of things. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest takeaway was just like, holy crap. Like obviously, you know, using Excel, using these BI tools is really fun for analyzing data. But once you become more of the data engineer, or the data scientist space, it's really down to the SQL and Python. That That's where the money's made, I guess, at that point. Mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. And it is pretty cool though, that like even SQL, which is like, I just made a, a TikTok the other day, like, SQL explained in 60 seconds. Did I explain everything? No, but like SQL actually, I was going to say SQL actually isn't that complicated. It's actually kind of an oxymoron because SQL is both extremely complicated and not complicated at all. It just depends on how in depth you want to go. But like right. SQL for the most point for data analysts is not that difficult. And it's no. cool because you could be learning SQL in, you know, a couple of weeks and then you're going to be using that the rest of your career in whatever role you're in. Like it could be like a bunch of different roles and you're still going to be using SQL, which which is pretty fat powerful in my mind. It's like one, one skill to rule them all. Yes. And I don't think people understand the, like the power behind it. I mean, just in general, right? Like say you have this large data set that can't even like fit on your personal computer, yep. right? Normally you're using the SQL code to send to some server like Google yep. or Amazon or whoever else is running. And you're sending the SQL code and it's doing this query to provide you the data you need. So SQL is so good at uh, filtering down and getting the data you need and then getting it onto your computer, the, the smaller machine and only the data that you need and having that skill set of just getting the data you need by all of the data. I mean, it speeds up visualizations, it yep. speeds up workflows. It's just so powerful and so underrated because it's so ugly. Uh, <laughs> it is, you know? ugly. but I mean, it's also, I mean, ugly, but it's just so simple, right? It I mean, it's just like you read it and you're like, oh, it does this. Like this is, you know, it's not as like, it's not as pretty as Python, but Python's also hard to learn because it is pretty. So yeah, Python like maybe looks more elegant, but it's probably harder to read. Like SQL is kind of like caveman language. Select this from this. Yes. Like it's very, very <laughs> yes. straightforward. Yes, caveman a powerful language. caveman language. Yeah. And Python is like the English uh, monarch. Uh. <laughs> Python's 32 years old, which I was like, wow, I didn't realize how old Python was. And SQL is 49. So not quite mm -hmm. double, but anyways, I was surprised that they were so close. I would have thought Python was a little bit newer than that. 
Okay, shifting gears a little bit, still talking about this awesome data set that you've collected over the last few months. We talked about the skills, you know, I'm all about learning SQL, learning Excel, learning a BI tool, I choose Tableau. Let's talk about titles a little bit because that's something that's uh, kind of whack in the data world. We talked about data engineer, data scientist, and data analyst, which are kind of these clear cut data roles. But throughout this data, did you find that those roles were indicative of what the job descriptions were or was it kind of messy? How did you guys find these job roles? Yeah, that's funny. So the first time talking about an MVP that actually did launch, that job title slicer filter right there, it's nice and clean now. It has like nine selections from, like you said, data analyst, a senior data analyst, software engineers or whatever. But those job titles originally coming from Indeed, LinkedIn, all the different job platforms are so dirty and so ugly. So it'd be like UPS, success manager, data analytic manager or something. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it'd be like data analyst lead two. It's like two, like what? I don't, there's not, le so basically come to say there's a, there was a bunch of different, tons of different job titles. And so when I initially made this dashboard, I had all those different ones. And some of them did say like data analysts, but it was a very select group. So that was like the first major complaint I got to like, bro, this, this, this thing's great, but they have so many useless job titles in here. So actually I just used a hugging face is like a, a website online that you can go in and steal, not steal. You can go in and use machine learning, different machine learning libraries, and you don't have to develop on your own. So I don't really know that too much about them. I just know that, hey, I can implement them into different pipelines. And I used a basically a classification model to go through and classify whether based on these different job titles and this ambiguity, it went through and said, okay, this is probably with 75% uh, certainty, this is a data analyst role. This is a you know data engineering role based on it. So yeah, so I've, I'm using that on a daily basis to go through and clean up those job titles and help better identify and streamline which ones fit into where. But it, it goes into your point, like data that you get, especially the real data you get is so dirty and you got to do, there's so much more that needs to be cleaned to this data set. Yeah. And I think that's really fascinating because you're having a machine learning algorithm kind of automatically, you know, classify this whack job title as a data analyst or data scientist or a data engineer or whatever. Right. But we as humans, especially these job seekers, they have to kind of do that machine learning on their own because a lot of these times these titles are either one weird, two wrong, three make no sense. Like you'll see like a data science analyst a lot of the time. And I'm like, yes, what, what the heck is that? Like, what? is it data science? They, don't, they basically just don't know what they want. <laughs> and they're like, we, <laughs> yeah. want, we want both. Yeah. Or I don't know if I've seen this one, a data analytics scientist. My friend is a, I think he's a data engineer scientist, but like he works for an engineering company who doesn't really know what they're doing. So I think that's why they have it. But my mm. point here is for people listening, when you're looking at jobs, you have to be running this machine learning algorithm in your head. And that means you mm -hmm. have to be reading the job description because like there's a lot of roles that are going to be say that they're data analyst roles. They're not data analyst roles, or there's going to be a lot of roles that, you know, don't even have the word data or don't even have the word analyst in there. But if you look what they're actually doing, they mm -hmm. might be doing data analytics. I don't know if you actually yes. saw that in your data set. Were yes. there roles yes. that didn't say mm -hmm. data and analytics? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I think the common offender is like, they say they want a data scientist and then you look at the role and it's like, 
no, they want a data analyst. They don't need somebody like trained in machine learning algorithms or to do, you know, complex A-B testing, right? They need somebody using Excel and Power BI or whatever, and that's a data analyst. So frequently it's an HR issue where they just don't yeah. know how to label the job correctly. Yeah, I actually had, you know, I'm sure you have weird instances like this with your, obviously your big YouTube following, but I actually had a, an owner of a car company, I guess not a car company, like a, like a Honda, a, like a sales, what, what is that place called? Like where you, where you buy a car? I don't know. A car a center. Yeah. A dealership, a car dealership. Yeah, yeah. There mm -hmm. we go. Mm -hmm. and he reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I want to hire a data person. Will you take a look at like my job description that I wrote? And it was like the weirdest job description ever. And also he said it was hiring a data scientist. And I was like, you don't have like any data scientist qualities on here. It's really a data analyst. And also the salary that you're looking at there is probably more to a data analyst. He was, like I said, like a small business, but like that happens more often than mm -hmm. you realize, which is so weird. Just make sure you're reading the job description and yes. you're trying to figure out what the job is and don't let the title, you know, scare you. A lot of them are going to, like I said, mm -hmm. like a qualitative researcher is often a data analyst job. You know, financial analyst could be a data analyst job. It really just depends. Do you have like a certain like rule that you would go about? Like I would say probably if you have like 60 to 70% yeah. of the skills on there, right? Then I would probably apply for that job. You probably fit the need. Yeah. I think especially with the written like requirements, I love that the companies now are kind of doing like the requirements and then like the makes you a good candidate, makes you like an all-star candidate and has like different bullets based off of those. So mm -hmm. it's like, they're not all just listed as requirements, but a lot of the times these recruiters and hiring managers put their requirements as their wish list. but like unicorn of a data person, there's not very many of them. And if they do exist, that salary is way too low for them a lot of the time, right? right? Yes. So yeah, I think between, <laughs> you know, fifties, maybe a little pushing it, but like 50 to 70, Obviously, if you fit 100%, apply for it. But yeah, somewhere in that like 60% range, I think is, is a good place to apply to that job. Anyways, I, I have a funny story for you. Want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. This is going to be a separate podcast. So shout out to this future podcast episode. But I obviously run a boot camp and I have a lot of students in the boot camp. And I was like, man, I want to see what it's like to see one of my students, you know, job application submissions. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to actually post a job on LinkedIn and have all my students go apply for it. And we'll just see how like their resume gets, you know, read in how they get ranked by the, oh, the ATS. Okay. Yeah. Super fun. So I posted it on LinkedIn, but unfortunately there's no like setting in LinkedIn where it's like, this is a private job listing. It's like a public mm. job listing. Okay. So, so you got a bunch of other people as well. Yeah. But I didn't want to waste people's time. That was not my intention. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the job description, a full paragraph, starting with a red stop sign in bold, all caps. I said, do not apply to this job. This is not a real job application. Yeah. Don't apply to this job. This is just a <laughs> test. This is only for my bootcamp students. How many applications do you think I got? Oh, how long did you have it listed for? Well, I got taken down by LinkedIn about after 48 hours. First, oh man, I don't know. Like a couple thousand, few thousand? Just shy. Yeah. Like 700 or something like that. Oh my goodness. Okay. And gosh, that like that's crazy how many people are looking, right? Oh, yeah. and well, that's unfortunate they didn't read the job description, but I mean, I can sort of get it if you're mass applying, you may miss it, but oh gosh. I know, yeah. I guess the easy apply was, I think it was an easy apply job on LinkedIn, so mm. people could just apply to it. But man, I mean, it was the first thing you'd see. So anyways, read the job description, just in case there's any <laughs> fake people like me out there, but also to actually see what type of job this is. 
Let's move on to salaries because that's another thing that you cover here in the data nerd.tech. Anything in particular that you learned on salaries? Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize before this, I sort of would put it, I thought I would thought to myself, okay, data scientists are the highest, and then and data scientists are the highest in the amount of quantity, and data scientists are the highest in the amount of salary. Mm-hmm. Then it would be next data engineers and then followed by data analysts. I was blown away about one, how data engineers, there's more openings for it, and there's typically higher salary for it too. And there's higher salary for it because if you look at the skills too, I see data engineering in general requires a lot of different yep. specializations and a lot of different skills working with not only data tools, but also cloud-based tools. Yep. So I really, I mean, especially as a fan of data engineering, shout out to uh, Seattle Data Guy and Shashank, they you know, they have so many different skills and they're working on so many things. I'm like, it made me have an appreciation, a better appreciation backed by data of data engineers. Yeah, I totally respect that. I think the data engineer is such an interesting position because it's so needed because before you do, I mean, these are the people that are getting, prepping the data, storing the data, organizing the data, cleaning the data for everyone else to use downstream. And if you don't have good data, that's easy to access, that's clean, you can't really do that much. So they're so needed. But like you said, I think it's the hardest, like if you just look at barriers to get into the data field, I think the data engineer is the highest. Like I don't really hear very many, like I self-studied and became a data engineer. It's hard software skills, computer skills, programming skills to land those jobs. It's a high barrier to entry, I think. Yeah. I will give an exception to that. I was interviewing people for the Google Data Analytics Certificate and one of the guys I interviewed from Mexico was, it got a did the Google data analytics certificate and then got a data engineer job immediately. And I'm like, what, what? I was like, what, how did you do this? And well, it was, the company was new to setting up their, their, you know, they weren't like a Facebook or a meta or whatever. Right. It was a, a new company. They were trying to establish practices. They were trying to build out systems to better manage their data. And they just needed, you know, they need, they were starting from square one and they wanted, you know, some, some work with this. And, I don't think he was paid. I mean, I'm sure he was paid relative to like a data analyst, but he was able to get into this data engineering role and now focus more on that and then obviously grow his skills. So I think it's it's an option. Definitely, if you have the opportunity and you're interested in that, right? I never encourage people like, you must go data analyst. Definitely also consider that if the opportunity presents itself at a smaller company. For sure. For sure. That's very interesting. That would be, if I was starting a company, I think hiring, in fact, a couple of episodes ago, we had Jesse Morris, who's basically been an executive in the data field for a while. And he's hired a lot of people. And he said one of his first hires would be an experienced data engineer and like a mid-level data analyst. He thinks that's like a killer combination. Yes. Um, but, mm-hmm. but when you're getting started, sometimes you can't afford, like these, in- these data engineers get paid a lot. So you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Okay, one of the things that you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking was the idea of how you could possibly make this tool better. So what are some things that are on your to-do list to make this tool better? Like, what are you trying to look for? Are you looking for help to make this tool better? Cause it's a really awesome tool. Tell me more about like how you see this evolving in the future. Yeah, so I think this has a lot of potential. There's so much more in the the data that hasn't been explored. 
one, just data insights. You don't know what you don't know. And so there's a lot of insights in the, the job descriptions and stuff we need to start pulling out. I want to actually get into more analysis of like how AI is impacting these jobs. And I've only been able to do like a brief analysis of it. And I'm only one person right now. As far as developing the tool further, I can see other things as well to where people can go in and we have data now over six months, like, hey, what is the most recent top skill? What is the trending skill right now that I could potentially focus on and advertise for myself? And then also being able to go in and, you know, different industries have different tools that they're mm. using. Some industries like are big on like SaaS or something for their yeah. uh, computing. Others may not be doing that. So there's a lot to be done with this. And I've had some people reach out to me and uh, got them to start to help me or whatever. But if you're interested, just shoot me a LinkedIn message. Let me know and like what you'll be interested in exploring or helping out with. And I have this via a private repository on GitHub and I can get you access to it so you can start doing whatever you want to do. If you want to work on the data analytics, analyzing the data to analyze some insights, if you want to help working, building out the web page itself. Or if you want to work on the data engineering side of it and helping build out the pipeline itself. I mean, there's so many different things and so many different angles we could attack this from, but I just I need help with it. I love that. And very generous of you to offer that. One thing I'll say, I mean, Luke's a super nice guy, so he won't say this. I'm not as nice as Luke, so I'll say it. Luke's also a busy guy. And so what I would suggest is if you reach out to Luke or anyone like Luke, is you don't just like message and say, hey, I want to help, you know? like come up with something that you'd like to help with. Like, yeah. you know, like one of the easiest things. And I mean, if you're really passionate about it, send Luke a message about it. But like, for instance, you're web scraping every day, right? Like you mm -hmm. said, like that probably has a timestamp. So even adding like a little date filter slider at the top, that's something that's mm -hmm. really easy to do in Streamlit. You've built this in Python using Streamlit. That's something that's kind of like built into Streamlit that like we could probably add, you know? And that's something you could say, hey, Luke, like I, I noticed this is missing. Like, I think we could add this or this is something I'd like to explore. Like just come up with some sort of an idea to, mm -hmm. to get going. Do you agree with that? No, completely agree. Cause like I've been working with a guy named Jared Rand. He did in analysis into generative AI to analyze the postings for it. I had somebody else recently reach out to me and to see bias in job posting towards non-English speakers, which I was like, I didn't even think about this. And he was doing basically some statistical analysis around our job postings biased towards or unbiased towards non-English speakers, non-native English speakers. And I'm like, Huh, this is pretty, I didn't even think about analyzing that. And he's built out like a Tableau dashboard and everything. So yeah, there's so many different ways you can look at. Yeah. Also, if you're just not sure and you just want to like look at the data set itself, I have something on Kaggle that is a subset of the data, oh. which is just the United States data analyst job postings. Oh. It's on my Kaggle. It's free. It's open source. It's also updated daily oh. and you can go in and actually analyze that for data analysts in the United States. That's, that's awesome. And, mm -hmm. and so you could always test out ideas kind yes. of there mm -hmm. and then, you know, come back to Luke and be like, I did this. I want to try with the bigger yes. data set, like the international or with the data scientists. That was an awesome episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Hey, in the show notes down below, we're going to have Luke's LinkedIn as well as Luke's YouTube. Definitely check out both of those resources, especially his YouTube channel. He makes fantastic videos. We'll also have the link to the datanerd.tech, which will show you what skills you need to learn in order to land different jobs, as well as a couple other cool things that Luke's been looking into with the 1.2 million jobs that he's been web scraping along this whole time. I have some free resources for you guys on your data journey. As 
as well in the show notes down below. So be sure to check those out. And as a reminder, we're going to be doing part two with Luke Bruce next week, where we're going to be talking about AI and data analytics. Luke has some really great thoughts on, you know, is AI going to come for the data analyst world? Are we going to lose our job as data analysts? I won't spoil his answer. Tune in next week to find out. Have a great week, everyone.